Global value investing through a different lens. Antipodes searches the world for great companies trading at attractive valuations. Welcome to another episode of Good Value by Antipodes, a global fund manager with offices in Sydney and London. On Good Value, hear discussions about Antipodes' best investment ideas and perspectives on industry and macroeconomic trends. I'm Alison Savis, Client Portfolio Manager at Antipodes. This is a special episode on our podcast focusing on the US election. At the time of recording, we're one week out, and we're going to discuss what this election could mean for global equity portfolios. Joining me to do that is Antipodes CIO, Jacob Mitchell. Please remember this content is general information only. It is not advice of any kind and doesn't take into account your personal financial situation, objectives or needs. You should seek professional advice before making any financial decisions. Thanks, Alison. Before we delve into some of the finer details surrounding the more immediate potential for winners and losers of the election, I think the thing I want to make clear is that regardless of the result, we actually think the longer term direction of markets will be quite similar. Um, We're coming off a year of significant fiscal stimulus. The US housing market is starting to recover. China seems to have achieved exit velocity from COVID without a vaccine. And we have the prospect of vaccines coming potentially in the West. So we see already a cyclical rebound. Um, which is probably more important than the outcome of the election. And um, it's really just a question of, does the Democrat route or the Republican route lead to more fiscal or less fiscal stimulus? And arguably a Democrat clean sweep would be be potentially more pro-cyclical. Yeah, so to sum that up, in Antipodes' view, all roads lead to a cyclical recovery. There's just two routes to get there. You've got your Democratic route and your Republican route. So let's first start with the Democratic route. Now, we know it's not going to be straightforward and it does very much depend on the outcome of the Senate. Yes, I think the Senate is critical here. We have a number of potential outcomes surrounding a Biden presidency. If Biden wins and the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, the Democrats would have a difficult time passing legislation and progressing their fiscal policy agenda. We will still have fiscal stimulus but it may be more muted as each package would have to be a negotiation between the Republicans in the Senate and the Democrats in the House. In some ways, it will be a continuation of what we have, but with Biden in the presidency instead of Trump. Under a Biden presidency, I think we could expect less tension in the US relationship with China. You would expect Biden to be less unpredictable, to say the least, in terms of foreign policy versus Trump. If we have a situation where Biden wins and the Democrats take control of the Senate, that's when things really get interesting from an investment perspective, as the Democrats will have the ability to pursue a much more aggressive fiscal stimulus. I think this could lead to an accelerated regime change in in market leadership. It doesn't take much for the Democrats to take the Senate. They only need four seats to switch, and in fact only three if they take the presidency as the vice president can cast the deciding vote. Now, Biden has campaigned on a $7 trillion fiscal agenda with the big ticket items being education, infrastructure, green deal, and healthcare spending. And now I think we have a short soundbite that really sums up the agenda. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies, he's never delivered on his promise for a big infrastructure plan. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna build 
roads, bridges that are crumbling. Climate change is accelerating more frequently and extreme weather events. We can do something about this. So what does this spending mean for markets? Aggressive income and investment stimulus is positive for economic growth. And I think in that backdrop, real rates could rise. Yeah, particularly with the additional pressure of funding this enormous fiscal deficit. Um, I think in this scenario, the dollar would potentially, in the longer term, weaken after an initial bounce. This favours the high quality cyclicals that really have been ignored by the market. Yeah, particularly stocks that benefit from infrastructure spending, you know, like you know, 5G decarbonisation and decarbonisation plays. In decarbonisation, we really think this could accelerate what is an emerging super cycle. You know, we've been discussing it for some time uh, because all of a sudden you have the three biggest regions, you know, Europe, China and the US embarking on a long term plan. Um, and, you know, that changes the demand profile for materials you know, like copper, like nickel. Um, and uh, it's a very hard asset related investment cycle. Um, as opposed to you know, some of the, the, the virtual uh, growth fixation that we've had um, in, uh, in, in the market's you know, desire to, to, to play growth stocks. Even financials, which in a relative value, in an absolute and relative valuation basis, the cheapest they've been probably in any time that the listeners to this podcast can recall. Uh, you know, they are the low multiple part of the market that no one really wants to admit to owning. Um, in an environment with, you know, supercharged fiscal stimulus, um, you know, the, the longer end of the yield curve can inflect, you know, real rates can reflect a better cyclical growth environment and take some of the pressure off net interest margins. And certainly the higher quality retail banks and, you know, the the likes of, of what we own, you know, have pricing power. They've already been living with low rates um, and the dividend yields are incredibly attractive. Now, while Biden has his $7 trillion spending plan, um, you, you have to consider how all of this is to be paid for. And, and he's talking about lifting taxes to cover almost half of the spending. But there will still be a net $2 trillion addition to the fiscal deficit uh, which stands at $4 trillion today. Now, these are, these are obviously monumental numbers. Uh, in, you know, relative to GDP, your starting position is a deficit of some, you know, over 20% of GDP. Um, and, you know, we're considering of taking that even higher. So it'll be greater taxes on corporates and the wealthy, um, and this will be negative for domestic US businesses that have really benefited, benefited from Trump's corporate tax cuts. And there's you know, potential for a less friendly environment for big tech. You know, in saying this, Biden has talked tough on, on tech regulation, but um, you have to consider that they're also some of his major election donors. So, Jacob, we talk about a democratic clean sweep. Now, this is where the Democrats control both the House and the Senate. But taking this one step further is the blue wave, which means uh, the Democrats' of victory in the Senate is even more resounding. And they've got enough numbers to remove the filibuster rule. Are there greater implications for markets in this scenario? Yeah, look, when you think about what the filibuster is, it's um, this arcane rule which allows, you know, even with a majority in both houses, you can get 
you can get uh, legislative change can be obstructed and slowed down. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, there may be a clear path to initiate the reform with a strong majority uh, of the Democrats in, in both houses. Um, it's, you know, the, you've got to consider, though, that Republicans and Democrats have previously controlled both houses and, and have not sought out this, this reform. Uh, if it happens, um, it will make it much easier to push um, through, let's call it, some of the more controversial parts of the Democrat platform. Um, you know, for instance, uh, more aggressive controls around drug pricing. Um, and, um, you know, we, uh, in terms of our healthcare exposures, you know, we're really looking out for companies in that space that are, are resilient in terms of not being exposed, you know, not gouging their patients with aggressive pricing and also diversified um, earning streams away from just um, pharmaceuticals. Uh, so we think we're relatively insulated from that outcome. Um, the, but, but healthcare will be you know, much more of a, an area of, of reform from the Democrats. Um, but also you know, social policy. Um, you think minimum wage could come on the agenda. Um, even a more aggressive decarbonisation plan, um, it, it certainly would become, I think, a very, um, the regime change would be even more extreme mm. under that scenario. So on that note, let's shift our focus to the Republican route. Now, Biden is ahead in the polls, but can we really trust these polls given what happened uh, in the 2016 experience? Yeah, good, good question. Um, <clears throat> it seemed like in sixteen, when the you know pro the, the professional pol pollsters and the um, professional punters, when they were doing their surveys, people didn't feel comfortable about admitting to the fact that they were going to vote Republican, um, <clears throat> and um, and hence you know the, the the Trump's Trump's numbers were underestimated. I think the, the pollsters have all become a little bit more um, smarter in the way that they're constructing surveys. So um, it's often part of the survey, not are they only asking you who you plan to vote for, but who do you think your neighbours are going to plan to vote for? And the second answer tends to be far more uh, useful as an indicator of individual voting intentions. Uh, and a group who let that, I think um, Trafalgar, are predicting a Trump victory even in this election. So whilst the consensus is for Biden to win, um, we know that US presidential elections uh, are not, don't always go to the nationwide majority as um, Hillary won the popular vote at a nation, national level because of the, uh, you know, the college vote system, each state effectively becomes a first past the post vote for the president and then all of that state's electoral college votes will go to whoever the, the winning candidate was in that state. So large states that have lots of electoral college votes have a disproportionate impact on the final decision. That means that's why Florida and Texas are so important. Um, and then we have this additional dynamic of lots of postal votes because of COVID and because Trump has almost mobilised the Democrats against himself to go out and vote via uh, postal votes because he's been so um, controversially um, implying that there's somehow 
could be fraudulent. Um, that's working, I think, against him because the, the most historically postal votes have have been biased towards Democrat votes, um, and it means the post-election environment could be quite messy. Uh, we may not have a result for an extended period of time, um, and the markets won't. In the short term, they won't like that uncertainty, and it could become a, a lit litigation festival between the Democrats and the Republicans. A lot of this happens at the state level. And those very close states will, will be, you know, the governor has a lot of power about how, over how the vote is conducted. Oh, sorry, the count is conducted. So expect a lot of, you know, in the short term, there could be a, quite a lot of market volatility. Longer term, as we said at the opening of the um, podcast, we think, you know, the direction is, you know, we, we have economies that are recovering um, and, um, you know, ultimately we think the vaccine outcomes are potentially longer term far more important than the US election outcome. But if we do, let's just say we do get a Trump win um, for the presidency, what do you expect happens in markets then? Do you think we'll just see more of the same? Yeah, I, I think so. I, it, it can't get better for Trump. He already has the Senate. We could even see a weakened scenario where the Republicans lose the Senate. Trump will will still want the economy to do well, so we will get stimulus, but it will be negotiated. You know, this, this backdrop may not be as friendly to cyclicals in the near term. Uh, secular growth stocks may continue to, to perform okay. Um, but the focus, again, will also foreign policy. You know, Trump sees the victory as validation for his rhetoric on China. We could see you know, just ongoing you know, volatility in that relationship. Um, you know, I think that's there's a there's a point of equilibrium where neither China or America or the U.S. can really push too hard um, because you're coming down to key issues around access to technology and um, and not in each side has its weak point. Um, so I think it's even with Trump and volatility, there's a sort of an emerging equilibrium, almost like Cold War equilibrium in that relationship between China and the U.S. Um, Importantly, I think it, it, I should reiterate here that you know, what I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, that under Trump, we still see a pathway for a, a cyclical recovery that you know, or, you know, I think will play into some of today's lower multiple parts of the market, um, you know, the, the financials as we've spoken to and other parts of that, of that complex. Um, that's through this, some level of stimulus, even if it's on a smaller scale and most importantly around COVID-19 vaccine development. You know, I'd, in regards to the chances of success there, I'd really point listeners to our, you know, our last podcast episode with um, uh, Nick Cameron's interview with Dr. Michael Farzan, you know, one of the world's leading expert on vaccines. But, uh, you know, Dr. Farzan really agrees with, you know, with our view that we think the chances of success are high and that's the most important uh, factor here I think in terms of um, some of the parts of the market that have been hit hardest by COVID rebounding rather than who's the president. Okay let's pull this all together. With all this in mind as a global investor how do you best position a portfolio? Look we you know we see when we think about infections spiking in you know Europe and the US, and it's very easy to get up, caught up in the negativity around the current current environment. Um, but the, the key there, though, is 
you know, mortality rates are still falling and, you know, absolute level of mortality is staying quite low, uh, you know, against this recent spike. So we're getting better at handling COVID and we think the prospect of a vaccine is relatively high. Um, you know, so we think you should be thinking very much around next year as being uh, a normalisation year in the West where we can sustainably reopen economies. And, uh, you know, you do want to be in your portfolio exposed to that. You know, mitigating downside there is the fact that China's reopening anyway without a vaccine. So our, our tilt towards China in, you know, high quality consumption and internet names, I think is gonna pay, you know, pay handsome dividends. So you've got secular growth that's going relatively cheap in China. You've got cyclical, high quality cyclicals in the West that benefit from reopening. But then you have this, you know, this potential for a significant shift in you know, the direction of stimulus. At the moment, it's income stimulus. Under the Democrats, it would become potentially a lot more investment focused. And I think that's, that's where you see more than just a cyclical rotation in value. You actually see a longer duration recovery. Um, in stocks that are benefiting from that investment stimulus. So really keep an eye on, you know, on that. The visibility, as the visibility of those investments programs starts to, to rise, you know, we you know, have um, in our decarbonisation cluster already roughly 12% of the portfolio exposed to that investment cycle. We think that can, you know, that can grow through time. Um, and uh, that's, that's probably, you know, uh, together with the fact that we do have these programs of, you know, we're coming into a 5G cycle and that's been a great place to be, but I think it will continue to be a great, great exposure in the portfolio. Um, so high quality cyclicals that are gonna benefit from investment programs, um, that's, and reopening, that's probably one end of the barbell. At the other end of the barbell, you can't completely ignore the chances of a Trump win um, and the potential for the Republicans to maintain control of the Senate. Um, now, stimulus still gets done, but it, it won't be as strong. Um, and I think it's appropriate to continue to have some barbell, part of your barbell exposed to the fact that you, you know, secular growth, um, the cheaper part of that secular growth uh, basket, Microsoft, Facebook, or our Chinese internet names. Um, yeah, they've been lockdown beneficiaries, but they are building on that. You know, they're not going to give that back even in a reopening scenario. And uh, I think that we would argue they remain pragmatic value. And, um, and that gives us, I think, some balance for a, you know, either a disappointment on vaccine and or a, a continuation of the status quo from a, you know, from a US political perspective. If you'd like more information on Antipodes, head to our website, antipodespartners.com, or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter.